Casting from the Dudley DeBosher Studios. Anytime, anywhere, smartphone, tune in radio app, we are WRKN. 1061 Nash Icon, Picayune, New Orleans. Good evening and welcome to All Access on 1061 FM Nash Icon at NashFM1061.com. Presented by CrescentCitySports.com, the best sports site in Louisiana. All Access is also presented by the Allstate Sugar Bowl, representing the best of amateur athletics. And by Francesca Bicates, serving up St. Louis-style food with a New Orleans flair. All Access is also brought to you by Lamarck Ford and Lamarck Lincoln in Kenner. By Bergeron Automotive in Metairie. By LifeGate Church in Mandeville in Metairie. By Premier Automotive, with locations throughout the New Orleans area. Segnet Landing Restaurant and Swamp Tours in West Wego. Petri Transport Services. John Curtis Christian School in River Ridge. By Life Resources Ministries, with outreaches throughout the New Orleans area. And by the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. It's your chance to talk sports in substantive fashion with informed guests. To join in the conversation, call 504-260-1061. Now, here's your host, Cumulus New Orleans Sports Director Ken Trahan of CrescentCitySports.com, the Saints Hall of Fame Museum, the Greater New Orleans Quarterback Club, Life Resources Ministries, and Delgado Baseball. And a pleasant good evening and welcome. Welcome to another edition of all access to Monday Night Edition here on Nash Icon 106.1 FM. We're on the web at nashfm1061.com. Our tune-in app is available for you anywhere to listen in, anytime. And, of course, you can always get us at home via Alexa. Just tell her to play WRKN or Nash Icon 106.1 FM. Obviously, email is a good way to reach us, ken at crescentcitysports.com. Feel free to do so anytime. Podcast available via crescentcitysports.com following this show just click on the menu and on the left side of the screen you'll see podcast to be able to listen in you can always call the show it's 504-260-1061 that's 504-260-1061 we'll get into LSU and Tulane football later on in the show good week for both teams this past weekend and now the hope is that the New Orleans Saints can complete the trio of victories here coming up shortly as they play at 615 in Charlotte tonight against the Carolina Panthers. And that's coming up here shortly, so we'll talk about that right away. Clearly, this is an important game for the Saints on several fronts. First and foremost, the Saints have won their last five season openers. That's a franchise record. But in each of the previous four seasons, the Saints have lost game number two. One of those to Carolina at Carolina. And also, they lost game three at Carolina recently too. So they haven't played so well in Charlotte in recent times. And they want to change that trend tonight. The other reason that it's important for the Saints tonight is obvious, and that is because, if you want to call it surprisingly or not, both the Atlanta Falcons and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have gotten off to 2-0 starts. The Falcons got it done by coming back in the fourth quarter, down by 12 to beat the Green Bay Packers, the Saints' next opponent, 25-24. And, of course, Tampa Bay did it by beating Chicago. It's not very good, 27-17. to But Baker Mayfield has played well. And you have to give credit where credit's due to Mayfield and the way he has played. So the Saints must win to remain in a three-way tie for first in the NFC South. That's where we're at right now with this division. And, obviously, it's a situation where the Saints have a chance 
to get themselves back in it. Weather should be fine this evening, and of course, the Saints are going to need to put more than 16 points on the board. As for the matchup, the Saints faced a very good defensive front with Tennessee a week ago. They'll face a very good defensive front tonight. Not making any excuses. This offensive line has to perform better regardless of who the opposition is. The Saints have invested in Cesar Ruiz, extending him most recently. Saints have paid Ryan Ramchek. Saints extended Andrews Peter, doesn't even start, a couple of years back. Of course, they drafted Trevor Penning number one, and they've secured Eric McCoy extension. So this is a group that has a large investment made in them that is expected to play well and did not play well enough against Tennessee. There's no doubt that that's true. They obviously have to play better than that. They did not block the running game whatsoever, rushed for, what, 67 yards, and did not protect Derek Carr. He was under pressure half the time in this game, and considering the pressure he dealt with and the lack of a running game, he played very well. He stepped up in the pocket, kept his eyes fixed downfield, and made plays. And he also extended plays by rolling away from pressure to his right and stayed out of trouble and made a couple of good throws doing so. He threw the one interception in the red zone that really hurt the Saints, but that was the one bad play in a game where he threw for over 300 yards, again, without the benefit of a running game and without the, you know, really the benefit of, of being able to get protected in the passing game. All those things were applicable a week ago. So what kind of progress do the Saints make from an offensive line perspective in this one? Look, the matchup, it's clear. I mean, when you look at the Panthers, they're good on defense, particularly good up front. Certainly hurts them in the deep without J.C. Horn being able to play. The Saints forced three turnovers against the Titans. And they have to score more than 16 points. You look at what this team is overall, the Saints. You like Rashid Shahid's speed, obviously, to make plays. In addition to that, you like Chris Olave's speed and his ability to make plays. Jawan Johnson, well, he was nursing the injury during the week, so we'll see how effective he is. He's obviously an important weapon. And then Michael Thomas showed up last week and started really well. Very encouraging sign, and you hope that carries over for this team tonight. Taysom Hill only carried the ball three times for four yards. He was not a factor. Obviously, he could be more of a factor. We'll see if that's the case or not. Jamal Williams was not much of a factor. They're going to need him to carry the mail again because Kamara is still suspended for this game and another. And Kendry Miller, of course, still nursing an injury. So Tony Jones had to take some snaps at running back. So where the Panthers are concerned, strength is up front. They're good up front on defense. There's no doubt about it. And Jonathan Mingo's a guy you got to block. We know that, too. With J.C. Horn out, the Saints should have a chance to be able to do some damage. This is an interesting series. When you look at the nature of the series, talk about even. They played 57 times. The Saints have won 29 times. Carolina's won 28. And how does Carolina fare at home against the Saints in Charlotte? The answer is the Panthers are 14-14 and 14 at home against the Saints. 50-50. 
proposition. Pretty interesting scenario where that's concerned because you, you really look at this series and it's kind of, you know, it's been back and forth really. But again, the Saints 27 carries 69 yards last week. That's not good enough. They've got to be able to run the ball better than this. And then, of course, Trevor Penning. He has to improve. He got schooled last week. It was only his second start in the NFL. He's a young player. You must give him time before you pass judgment. But it was not a good look a week ago. Help Penning a little bit more. They did that in the second half. And in the second half last week, Derek Carr was hot. 10 of 13, 163 yards and a touchdown. Give him time. He'll get the job done. You know, Brian Burns, he's good. Derek Brown, he's good. These guys are good up front, as I mentioned. So that's it. Saints have to be able to get at least a 50-50 standoff up front if they want to win this game. Meanwhile, Tennessee ran the ball well in the first half last week, but not in the second half. So that's the good news. Panthers want to run the football. Mike Sanders, 18 carries, 72 yards against the Falcons. Chuba Hubbard, 9 carries for 60 yards. So they ran the ball well, and they're going to try to run the ball, there's no doubt in particular, with a rookie quarterback in Bryce Young, who, looking back at the film last week and starting it, Bryce Young didn't play bad. Yes, he threw two picks, but he stayed calm. If you watch his demeanor, and I'm not surprised having seen him in college, he's got the right makeup mentally to be able to handle the NFL. Physically, he's small, as we all know. But he is athletic, and he's got a good arm. Now, it's going to be a learning curve. The Saints are catching him at the right time. It's only his second NFL game, which obviously benefits the Saints. Christensen, starting guard for Carolina, he's out. Both guards hurt for the Panthers. That should give the Saints an advantage up front on defense, you would think. As for the Saints' defense, Demario Davis looked great in the opener. Ten tackles, and he was just flying around, playing like a young man, not to his age. Pete Warner was good as well in that game. When those two are healthy, they're a good pairing at linebacker, no question about that. Zach Bond, big block, of course, of a punt, which was obviously an extremely important play for the Saints. If you win special teams, then... You know, you win close games. Now, keep in mind, the Saints did fumble the opening kickoff, gave away three points there. So it's kind of a trade-off in that regard in terms of if you look at the game last week and evaluate special teams play and, and how the Saints fared and who had the edge and such. But I do think that the Saints in this game have an edge tonight. I just feel like, you know, they've got – a little bit better team going in. Just my thought about this particular matchup. But again, it's going to come down to this offensive line doing a better job overall. That remains the biggest concern on this team in my mind. You know, I thought it might be elsewhere before it started, but realistically right now, I would say the offensive line is the biggest concern for the New Orleans Saints. And that's clearly the area that they must improve in if they want to be the kind of team that they, they think they can be or that they hope they can be because you know, this is 
again, a division game. And you know that the Panthers are going to be completely geared up for this. Number one is their home opener. Number two, they've already lost a division game at Atlanta. So the Panthers, if they lose, not only would they be 0-2, but they would be 0-2 in the division. So that obviously is a double whammy, and they do not want to be in that position. So they will play with a tremendous amount of urgency here this evening, and the Saints have to be prepared to deal with that. You know, you've got to match the opponent's intensity. I know it's not college football with all the emotions, but let me tell you something. Emotion does matter in the NFL, too. You have to be ready to play when you walk into Bank of America Stadium. Extremely important. Of course, the Panthers swept last year, including, remember, the season finale at Caesar Superdome, 10-7. Saints scored early, and then they didn't do anything after that. It was ugly. So the Saints have a lot to deal with when it comes to Carolina and trying to gain some sort of revenge. Linebacker Shaq Thompson and Brian Burns, as mentioned, and linebacker, both really good players. Justin Houston, a good linebacker, too. They're strong in that area. Derek Brown, as mentioned, defensive end, very good. Dante Jackson, I'm sure you remember him well. Riverdale LSU, good player. Adam Thielen, veteran receiver. They brought him in. They've got D.J. Chark allegedly ready to play, coming back. Terrace Marshall, another former LSU player, is there as well. Eddie Pinero is a good kicker. Their punter, Johnny Hecker, is a solid player at his position. So there's a lot there that they like. And there's a lot there that gives this team a chance to beat the Saints if the Saints don't play well. And that's what's happened the last couple of times they've been there. They have to play better to give themselves a chance than they have most recently. And, you know, there have been some unbelievably memorable games over the years in Charlotte. You know, John Carney last second field goal. 2005, opening game of the season right after Katrina. Emotional high, emotional game. Gigantic victory for the Saints. There have been a lot of games like that. Of course, the 1996 game, Jim Mora going berserk after the game. Just basically, you could tell he was cashing it in. And he resigned the next day in the middle of the season. That's another one that's memorable. I was working the Saints broadcast at that time. So couldn't forget that one. But there have been some unbelievable, memorable games in the history of that series. You know, on paper, the Saints would seem to have a slight edge. But do we really know who these Saints are yet? I mean, I don't think we do. I mean, I think we'll find out soon enough. This game will certainly go a long way toward determining that. But when you look at this series, recent years, you know, it's been an interesting dynamic to look at. Saints split and split. When you look at 22 and 21 against this team, you go back, though, to a period from 2017 through 2021. At one point, the Saints had beaten the Panthers eight out of nine times under Sean Payton. 
That's how they really changed the overall dynamic of the series in terms of wins and losses. And as we said, it's a one-game spread right now when you talk about wins and losses all time with this particular series. So there's that. It's amazing to consider. Good matchup, big game, a chance to get over the hump and not be one and one again like they've been. It's imperative to get to 2-0 and and to prove that you are who you think you are, in particular when you're favored to win this game, which the Saints are. I know it's only a, a three-point edge, but that tells me that they're supposedly the better team because if you're a favorite by three on the road, that means on a neutral field you're five or six better. So this is a critical game for both teams. The Saints have to run the football to a degree. You have to establish that. The offensive line is everything in this game, as I mentioned before. By the way, Brian Brzee, you know, he got a lot of snaps last week. He was only in on one or two plays. Of course, he had a, a half sack and showed quickness on that play, and obviously he's very important to what they're trying to do moving forward. But what you really had to like last week was the secondary play of the Saints. I mean, again, you know, they got the, the three picks. They, they played well, <laughs> and obviously this was huge. I mean, when you get those kind of turnovers, you're in a position to win any game. When you win the turnover battle, you're going to win games. And the Saints did that last week. And this secondary has a chance to be really good. But that's all predicated on Marshawn Lattimore remaining healthy. If Marshawn Lattimore is healthy, this is a good secondary. He changes everything back there. I mean, he gives them a chance to be that team. He really does on a consistent basis because he's that good. And Marshawn Lattimore is among the best in the league. Remember last year he missed 10 games and the result was obvious. You know, you have to have that guy on the field to be who you want to be. He's going to make Paulson Adebo that much better. He's going to make Alante Taylor that much better. And the safeties, of course, can concentrate on doing what they're supposed to do and not be so concerned if you got guys locked up in a man situation. And the safeties, of course, through one game, Marcus May, he played well. You had to like what you saw there. How about Yadam making a big play, creating the interception? Give him credit. And Teran Matthew played better second half last year, picked up where he left off in game one. So the secondary, good in game one. Punter, a little shaky. Place kicker, Blake Groupie, through one game, hey, terrific. Can't ask for anything more. He kicked all touchbacks. And, of course, he made every field goal in the game that he was called upon to make and made the extra points. So did a great job as the Saints in Carolina are getting underway now. And, again, this is such an important game for both teams tonight. Saints have to break through and ensure they can win on the road against the division opponent. Because, remember, seven of the first 11 games of the season for the Saints are on the road. It's going to be a backloaded schedule in terms of home games. So you're going to have to win on the road early on this season to be the kind of team that you want to be. And it starts tonight against a team in Carolina that the Saints absolutely can beat and a team that the Saints absolutely are as good as, if not better, even on their home field. So we'll see if they can get the job done. They're going to have to get themselves off to a good start and avoid turnovers and minimize penalties. They were, you know, the penalties were okay last week. You know, they can do a little better, but what, I think only 40 yards in penalties? You can live with that. 
And again, that was a problem last year. It was a problem in the preseason. Turnovers didn't happen last year in terms of creating them. They happened in game one. So the trends are good through game one. The only trend you didn't like was points. 16 points typically isn't going to win an NFL game. You've got to score more points than that. And from the Saints' perspective, let's hope that starts here tonight as they're underway at Carolina now. And we're glad you've joined us tonight for this Monday night version of All Access. Ken Trahan with you. Rudy Dixon is our producer. And it's 504-260-1061 if you'd like to join in the conversation. We'll take a time out here. And when we continue, we'll venture into LSU and Tulane territory. Coming up next, we'll talk about the LSU Tigers and just who they are and where they are now following a big win this past Saturday with another SEC game coming up this weekend. That's next when we continue with All Access for a Monday night. Ken Trahan with you here on Nash Icon 1061 FM and at NashFM1061.com. Inside New Orleans, if it's New Orleans sports, culture, food. Inside New Orleans with Eric Asher is talking about it. Weekdays at 4 on 1061 Nash Icon and available online anytime at NashFM1061.com. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. At Dudley DeBosier, clients call within days of their injury. Because if you wait, evidence gets lost, and the insurance company can use that to pay less than you deserve. Demand Dudley DeBosier. Call 444-4444. Chad Dudley, New Orleans, LA 23-15654. I have diabetes. I'm at risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. I have asthma. I'm at risk, too. If you're 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, COPD, or heart disease, or are 65 or older, you are at increased risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about Prevnar 20, pneumococcal 20-valent conjugate vaccine, a vaccine that can help protect you against pneumococcal pneumonia in just one dose. Even if you've already been vaccinated with other pneumonia vaccines, Prevnar 20 may help provide added protection. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. I feel like I'm constantly cleaning hair off my bathroom floor. At least my Swiffer Sweeper makes it easy. Sweeper heavy-duty dry cloths have ultra-thick pads to trap and lock hairs, like a hair magnet. And when I'm finished cleaning up my hair, Sweeper takes care of his, too. Now the hair's gone, all thanks to Swiffer. Try Swiffer Sweeper heavy-duty dry cloths. I promise you'll love them or your money back. And also try Swiffer Sweeper Wet to make quick work of tough, sticky messes. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. 
So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call SelectQuote at 1-800-452-5050. That's 1-800-452-5050. Or go to SelectQuote.com. 1-800-452-5050. That's 1-800-452-5050. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. This report is sponsored by Taco Bell. Taco Bell's rolled chicken tacos are full of shredded, marinated, all-white meat chicken. Choose from three dipping sauces, spicy ranch, nacho cheese sauce, and house-made guacamole. Order on the Taco Bell app. Get one dip per two-pack, two dips per four-pack at participating Taco Bell stores for a limited time only, while supplies last. All right, good afternoon. As things are starting to look a little bit better, westbound I-10 read to the flyover, not so much. 17 minutes right now, a seven-minute delay as we look into the Crescent City connection from the I-10 split to Terry Parkway. A couple of minutes delay across that area. Westbound I-10 from downtown to Kenner. 19 minutes and a six-minute delay there. Uh, westbound I-10 uh, spillway from Kenner to Laplace looking great right now. I'm Michael Higgins from the New Orleans Funeral and Cremation Service Traffic Center. Calling all listeners, what's on your mind? We'd love to get your take by calling Ken Trahan of CrescentCitySports.com and All Access on 1061 Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com. Call 504-260-1061. All Access continues on this Monday night. Ken Trahan with you as we march on. Saints and Carolina underway. And, of course, the LSU Tigers are now up to 12th in the new Associated Press college football rankings. And the Tigers are 13th in the coaches' poll this week. So... Certainly good news where LSU is concerned. Rumors of their demise were greatly exaggerated after the Florida State game. Let's remember this. Against Florida State, LSU got outplayed, outcoached in the second half and got whipped. In the first half, LSU had the better of the two teams. LSU had 300 yards. And LSU blew two scoring chances when they couldn't convert fourth and ones or fourth and twos and passed on field goals. It's a different game, perhaps, if you kick both of those field goals and you have a double-figure lead, or a double-score lead, I should say, going into the second half. But that didn't happen, and we all know the rest of the story. But the point is, Florida State really struggled against Boston College this past weekend. They were fortunate to win. Didn't look like the same team that we saw against LSU, and obviously that is one of those situations where they weren't the same team. And... That is obviously a situation now where LSU has to play better this week and show that they can be the same team that they were last week against Mississippi State because they were awfully good in that game. Where the polls are concerned, Georgia is number one in both polls this week. 
Michigan second in the AP poll with Texas third, Florida State fourth, and USC number five. Ohio State sixth, Penn State is number seven, Washington eighth, Notre Dame ninth, Oregon is at number 10. Now the AP poll has Utah 11, LSU 12, and Alabama 13. The UPI poll, or the coaches poll, has Alabama 12th and LSU 13. So flip-flop them in the two polls. Doesn't matter. They're going to settle it on the field. And what's to come here in the coming weeks will certainly put them in position to determine just who these teams are. And based on what I saw of Alabama against Texas and what I saw from Alabama yesterday, or I should say Saturday, I think LSU's got a great chance to win at Tuscaloosa. But first things first, Tigers in Arkansas. Arkansas lost to BYU this past week. At home, I might add. BYU's not a bad team, but that's a bad loss. And the SEC, quite frankly, is obviously not as good as it has been in recent years. That's pretty clear from what we're looking at now. Tennessee getting whipped by Florida. You know, Kentucky, maybe Kentucky's pretty good. Who knows? Georgia wasn't impressive against South Carolina. Give South Carolina credit. Ole Miss is pretty good. Not great. Talked about Alabama. Texas A&M lost in Miami. You saw what Mississippi State was. Missouri got a good win against Kansas State. Give them credit. I mean, the point is the SEC just doesn't look that imposing. So for LSU, things look even better if they can stay healthy and continue to progress and improve, defensively in particular, and the secondary in particular. Very good against Mississippi State, but I'm not sure what State's trying to do. You know, they really miss Mike Leach, bless his soul. They've tried to change what they're doing, and it's not working. And Will Rogers looked like a shell of himself against LSU. Nowhere near the guy that was so effective in the air raid offense, which they're not running anymore. Auburn's okay, nothing special there. I mean, look, the SEC isn't that good this year. I know that's strange to say because I always applaud the league and talk about how good it is, and it is annually, but it's just not that league this year. So Arkansas comes in, LSU a solid favorite. Then they got to go to Vaughn Hemingway to play Ole Miss. That's big. And then go to Columbia to play Missouri. And that's a, a tough game. Won't be easy either. Then you get Auburn at home. Then you get Army at home before going to Tuscaloosa. And you get Florida at home. Georgia State at home. Texas A&M at home. Knock on wood, it's conceivable that LSU could win out. I'm not saying they will. I'm just saying it's conceivable. Given the schedule, they're going to be favored in all of these games with the possible exception of the Alabama game. And even then, we'll see how the teams are playing going into it. Maybe they won't be an underdog at Bama. We'll see, but right now, that would be the only game that they would be an underdog in. At the Mississippi State game from a glance, watch the whole game, of course, Jaden Daniels was tremendous. And what you loved about Daniels in this game was the fact that he threw the ball down the field. It's what Brian Kelly has been stressing, like Denbrock's been stressing. It's what they, they want him to do more of. And he has to do more of to stretch defenses and to get them off uh, of, of really squatting on his receivers in the short passing game. And, of course, Malik Neighbors was phenomenal. He's an incredible talent. He's a heck of a player. And if you choose to play him man, you're going to be in big trouble. 
LSU has other good receivers, but Neighbors is elite. And remember, Mason Taylor did not play last week, and he's such a weapon at tight end, such a good player. And by the way, they really dropped off without him. Markham did not play very well. Missed blocks, especially on the smoke screens they tried to run. So they need Mason Taylor back. He's the real deal. And then, of course, at running back, everybody's going to talk about Caleb Jackson with that truck of a run he made, destroying the defensive back. He's got a great future. But Logan Diggs is their best all-around back, and he showed it again. His pass protection is superb. Quarterback love having him in there because of the pass protection. He understands pass protection. He understands when to leak out. He's a very good receiver and can make yards after the catch. And he's a tough runner. He can run inside and runs with good pad lean. He's big. He gets the extra yards. And he's quick enough, too, if you get him to the edge. Really like Diggs. Really like Caleb Jackson. They got John Emery in there. You know, didn't make any impact on the game. Moving forward, I'd love to see Diggs and Jackson personally to be primary guys. Josh Williams, good kid. Get him in there occasionally, but I think you got your guys moving forward, in my opinion. No disrespect to Noah Kane, no disrespect to Trey Bradford, or even to Josh Williams, but I think you've got Diggs and Jackson. And physically, they're just better than the other backs that LSU has, in my opinion. Good to see the secondary playing well. Sam really got after people. That was great to see on the back end of that defense. Again, just look at the numbers on Will Rogers and how much he struggled in this game. But LSU's defensive front controlled the line of scrimmage. They just dominated the Mississippi State offensive line. Didn't happen against Florida State. Absolutely happened against Mississippi State. And it's not that LSU won the game. It's how they won. They destroyed State. Just absolutely dominated them from start to finish. And this isn't a great state team by any stretch, but it's, you know, it's a commendable SEC team. And LSU went in there and just took them apart and, and never left any doubt. The game was never in doubt. It was going to be easy from the get-go after you were watching what was happening in the first quarter. The LSU team that stopped and had a walkthrough in an automobile dealership parking lot, no less, for this morning affair in Starkville. Well, the morning game didn't bother LSU at all. They handle their business quite well. Now, if there's any concern about LSU, the secondary is still a concern to me, although they've got better, obviously, in the last two games. But the one area that still remains a concern from my perspective is the right side of the offensive line. Miles Frazier has struggled a bit. Emory Jones has struggled a bit. They moved Jones inside at times, and they played Hurd a tackle. Hurd's a physical guy. He's physically imposing. He's huge. But he had some struggles too. And they're going to have to sort that out. And Brian Kelly's going to have to make a decision about who his guys are on that side and where they're going to play. You're going to leave Jones a tackle, or you're going to move him into guard permanently. If you move him into guard permanently, do you trust Hurd to be that guy at tackle? Or do you just go with Miles Frazier and let him play through it? Left side's better, but Will Campbell got three flags in that game. So it wasn't his best afternoon either. So offensive line, secondary, when you're talking about LSU. With the Saints, it's offensive line. With LSU, it's offensive line, secondary. But you certainly had to be very pleased with the way this team performed against Mississippi State. You can see 
the improvement. You can see the confidence growing. LSU improved from week one to week two, clearly. LSU improved from week two to week three, clearly. This is what you want to see from a team, a steady improvement. And I think they're over the mental aspect and mental funk of losing that opener to Florida State, which had so much hype to it. And not just losing, but getting whipped, taken apart in the second half. You know, memories will still be there, but from the public perception and the voters' perception of the polls, those memories will fade and continue to fade quickly if LSU continues to play the way it's playing and it will give himself a chance to be in that mix later on in the season for one of those playoff spots. Yes, it could happen. I do think LSU has to win out. I think they have to win out in the regular season and they probably would have to beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, pretty much assuming that it's going to be Georgia at this point after watching Tennessee the other day. I mean, Florida played better, but is Florida all that good? I don't think so. I just think Tennessee spit the bit. So, again, in retrospect, LSU is better than what people saw against Florida State. LSU is still in a prime position to make a run and winning the SEC West, and LSU is still in the mix to win the SEC championship. Therefore, LSU is still in the mix to make the national playoff. I think those things remain pretty clear as we speak, and obviously this is a football team uh, in LSU that's getting better, and you want to see that improvement continue to occur. I do wish they would have had digs available for game one. They wouldn't have won that game, but it would have been more interesting, certainly, with what he brings to the table in the run game and the pass game, and as I mentioned in pass protection, which obviously gets overlooked by a lot of people, but it is important when you have a quarterback that can make throws and make plays like Jaden Daniels can. It is 504-260-1061. That's 504-260-1061. We're glad you're with us on this Monday evening. Saints and Panthers underway. And, of course, we'll continue in just a moment. And we'll turn our attention to the Tulane Green Wave. A winner. Bounce back win. Important win. We'll talk about that next as we continue with more of All Access for a Monday night. Ken Trahan with you. Rudy Dixon, our producer. And we're back in just a moment here on Nash Icon 1061 FM. And we're on the web at NashFM1061.com. At Dudley DeBosier, most of our clients call within days of their injury. And that is so smart. Because if you wait, evidence gets lost, memories fade, deadlines get missed. And the insurance company can use that to pay less than you deserve. Don't let that happen. The sooner you call, the sooner we can get to work. And hopefully, the sooner you can put this accident behind you. Demand Dudley DeBosier. Call 444-4444. That's 444-4444. Chad Dudley, New Orleans, LA 23-15654. Imagine it's the last ride, but your symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, or IBSC are taking you for a ride. What should you do? Keep managing your constipation with belly pain the same old way? Or try getting ahead of your symptoms by talking to your doctor about treating it with Linzess, linaclotide. Linzess is a prescription medicine that treats IBSC in adults. It's not a laxative. It's a once-daily pill that helps you get ahead of your symptoms. It's proven to help you have more frequent and complete bowel movements and helps relieve overall abdominal symptoms, belly pain, discomfort, and bloating. These symptoms were studied in combination, not individually. Do not give Linzess to children less than two. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help. 
help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Imagine, what could relief from IBSC mean for you? Talk to your doctor and say yes to Linzess. Learn more at Linzess.com or call 1-800-LINZESS. Sponsored by Avian Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. Do you have heart failure and often hear? Those stomach issues ruined your birthday. You're too tired to play catch, Grandpa. Sweetie, you haven't touched your tools since the carpal tunnel syndrome diagnosis. If these seemingly unrelated symptoms sound familiar, talk to your cardiologist. Ask about transthyretin amyloid cardiomyopathy or ATTRCM, a rare and underdiagnosed disease that gets worse over time. Learn more at connecttoyourheart.com. That's connecttoyourheart.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. Don't let this happen to your largest investment. Call DA Exterminating now. We're ready and waiting to protect your home from potential disaster called termites. Call DA now or visit us on the web at daexterminating.com. This report is sponsored by Taco Bell. Taco Bell's rolled chicken tacos are full of shredded, marinated, all-white meat chicken. Choose from three dipping sauces, spicy ranch, nacho cheese sauce, and house-made guacamole. Order on the Taco Bell app. Get one dip per two-pack, two dips per four-pack at participating Taco Bell stores for a limited time only, while supplies last. Well, things are definitely mellowing out and looking a lot better roadways-wise here. Eastbound I-10, Oak Harbor to the I-12 from Elysian Fields to the high-rise across the twin spans, all running without delays at this time so it's a great ride there northbound causeway bridge is 22 minutes seeing it a little bit westbound i-10 from downtown to kenner 17 minutes and that's only about a three minute delay right now i'm michael higgins from the new orleans funeral and cremation service traffic center this is where you get all access not just to focus on one or two topics all sports topics are on the table with your calls at all times Join us now by calling 504-260-1061. Now back to Ken Trahan on 1061 Nash Icon through CrescentCitySports.com and at NashFM1061.com. Welcome back to the show. Ken Trahan with you on All Access for this Monday night. It was a good weekend for LSU, and it was a good weekend for the Tulane Green Wave as well. Tulane went to Southern Miss and took care of business. The Green Wave 21-3 against the Golden Eagles. Tulane not in the top 25, getting no respect, really. I mean, they lost to Ole Miss without their quarterback. And we're down by seven with two minutes left. And they dropped out of sight. Now, they did get seven votes this week in the coaches' poll. So there's that. And when you look at numbers, they would be 38th overall in the voting. So getting at least a measure of respect, but not much considering they were without their quarterback against a good team. No matter. They can take care of business themselves moving forward. Against Southern Miss, look, this was all about Tulane's defense. They were great. The defensive front is really good. Ole Miss found that out. Again, Ole Miss was 1-for-13 on third down against Tulane. The Tulane defensive front dominated that game. And the Tulane defensive front has numbers. And it has size, and it has athleticism. Just a good team, defensively. Cover well enough in the secondary, too. Offensively, it did enough. Makai used their best running back, no doubt. Shotty Clayton Johnson did all right. Good to see. Of course, on the outside, Jaquan Jackson made big plays. 
We know what Keys is. They did enough. Kai Horton played better. Only 21 points, of course, and that's got to be better. But again, when you look at the improvement Kai Horton made, look, against Ole Miss, he was solid in the first half, not good in the second half. Against Southern Miss, he was not so good in the first half, but he was good in the second half. Kind of flipped the script, and he did a good enough job. He did not turn the ball over, and he made enough plays. He has arm talent. But again, this is a guy that, you know, the more he plays, the better he'll play. And I think you got a a glimpse of that in this game from Kai Horton. Because you get Nichols this week, and I know they said afterwards Michael Pratt might be ready this week. And I get it. And that's great. But let's face it. If he's nowhere, he's not 100%, don't play him. You don't need Michael Pratt against Nichols. With all due respect to the Colonels, and I have nothing but respect for Tim Rebo in his program. Thank the world of him. But uh, Tulane is simply overmatching Nichols. They're just better overall, and it shouldn't be a difficult game at all. So if you're thinking about it, if you're not sure, if you're not sure, if you're Michael Pratt, if you're ready to go 100%, don't go. I know he's competitive and he wants to play, but you don't need to rush him. You've got conference play beckoning with UAB in a game you have to win the following week. So you've got that thought process that comes into play here. With regard to Kai Horton, 12 of 19, 186 yards, two touchdowns against Southern Miss. He was sacked three times, but the big thing is he didn't turn the ball over. He did a solid job overall, and that's what you want to see. Lawrence Keyes, four catches, 78 yards. Jaquan Jackson, two catches, 41 yards, and a touchdown. And Chris Brazel, three catches, 35 yards, and a score. Shotty Clayton Johnson, 12 carries, 67 yards. Solid, average 5.5 per carry. He caught one pass, two for 21 yards, a good reception and run after the catch. And then Makai Hughes was 14 carries, 85 yards, 5.9 yards per rush. And that's what you want to see. He clearly is their best option. No disrespect to Shedro Lewis, but he's not very big and hasn't been able to get away from tacklers. I just think if they're going to play anybody else, it should be Arnold Barnes because of his physical ability, his size, and the fact that he can run through tackles. But didn't see him in this game against Southern Miss. Great to see Tulane and Southern Miss play again. Obviously, this is a great rivalry. Going back many years, I was blessed to do a few of those games and really enjoyed those games in those days. And the trip is easy for Tulane fans, and they had quite a few that showed up in Hattiesburg. It's easy for Southern Miss fans when they come to New Orleans. Jesus Machado led the wave in tackles with seven. Billy Despani had six tackles and two for loss and did a good job. Jarius Monroe, five tackles, including... One and a half for loss. Keith Cooper Jr. had a sack. Darius Hodges, Patrick Jenkins each had a sack for the Green Wave as well. Tyler Grubbs was active. He had five tackles, including one for loss. So they could lose a guy like Corey Platt and still be fine at linebacker. This is a team that has depth and shows it. We saw Valentino Ambrosio. He had the distance on the long field goal attempt, but 
was off to the left. I think, you know, listening to the commentators of the game, they were talking about the fact that Willie Fritz feels good about Ambrosio, 47 yards and in. This one was outside of 47, and you saw the result. Clearly, they got a pretty good line on who he is and what he can do. But this was a good win for Tulane. They needed the victory, and they got it, and they got revenge in the process, which to me is obviously important because last year was a very frustrating, disappointing game against Southern Miss. I thought the better team lost. They just didn't get the job done in the second half, didn't play well enough. So the Nichols Colonels, 6 p.m. Yulman Stadium this week. Hope you get the kind of turnout again that we've seen in recent games for Tulane. Perhaps some Nichols fans will come in and make the trip too, and I certainly hope that that's the case to support the Colonels. Then Tulane will host UAB American Conference game on September 30th before heading to Memphis to a place where there's been a dungeon for Tulane where they simply don't win. Memphis is going to be one of the primary contenders in this conference. That's obvious. North Texas for homecoming at Rice is better, but Tulane will be favored at East Carolina. Never easy, but Tulane will be favored. Tulsa in New Orleans, where you like having them. Going to Florida Atlantic and Boca Raton, and then UTSA. And I'm sure you saw, but UTSA lost to Army this past week. Tulane doesn't play Army. LSU does. A big win for the Army at San Antonio, I might add. So what does it all mean? Well, I think it means exactly what we have said for the last several months. Tulane is the favorite in the American Athletic Conference. The favorite to repeat as champion. And what we've seen early in the season clearly indicates that they are. Nothing has changed in that regard. Everything we've seen on the field indicates that Tulane looks like the best team in the conference. And they're able to compete with a second-string quarterback. So that's why I think it's imperative to make sure that you get Michael Pratt back functioning in healthy fashion before you rush him back on the field. And I'll say it again, and I say this with all due respect to Nichols, you don't need Pratt to beat Nichols. If you didn't need Pratt to win at Southern Miss, you certainly don't need Pratt to beat Nichols. So I'm certainly in favor of Pratt not playing in this game if there's any doubt whatsoever. I'm not saying don't play him. I'm saying if there's any doubt at all, don't play him. There just isn't any reason to do it. Coaching changes, of course, Tulane had quite a few on their staff after last season. There was concern coming into this season, and I see no reason to be concerned at this stage. I think this remains a well-coached team. I think they're solid. They're well-prepared. They make in-game moves and adjustments that need to be made. Like Slade Nagel, I think he's stepped in and done a really nice job. Of course, he's very close to Will Hall. Will Hall knows Tulane as well as anybody, and you know, if anybody can defend Tulane, you'd figure Southern Miss could because of Will Hall's knowledge of what Tulane does because Tulane kept many of the same concepts which Hall put in at Tulane when he was there. And why not? They had had some success. Of course, Hall took some of those to Southern Miss with him and is trying to get that team you know, to where he wants them to be. It's not going to be easy. They had a good season last year and beat Tulane. Billy Wiles, by the way, He's pretty solid. Remember, he was recruited to Tulane. Ended up following Will Hall to Southern Miss. A solid-looking player. But he was under duress. 
sacked him three times and had all kinds of pressure on him. You know, and he had only 17 yards rushing. And Southern Miss just couldn't get anything going on the offensive side of the football. Look, they were coming off of playing Florida State too, so that didn't help. But they'll be better as Tom marches on. And the question remains, what can Tulane be? Well, I said for months and months before the season that if Tulane went 2-1 and one to start, they'd win 10 games or more. Well, they're 2-1. and one. And I'm sticking by my statement and my thought process, which I've maintained for months now. Like LSU, Tulane could win out. The stumbling blocks at Memphis, clearly. UTSA later in the season. You know, and UAB, first conference game. You got to start off in good shape, I think. That's kind of where you're at. But like LSU, I think Tulane got over their loss quickly. They got over the Ole Miss loss and got the job done in Hattiesburg and looked like they were ready to play and had moved on from the loss. And same thing with LSU, as mentioned, with the way they handled their loss to Florida State. So, again, well-coached teams playing better. And, again, the opportunity is there. And the idea is to continue to improve on a week-to-week basis. You've seen that with LSU. And with Tulane, you saw the improvement from one week to the next. Other misses, no slouch. And Tulane went there and took care of business and won the game by 18 points, covered the spread easily. By any measure, that's a success. And had a good trip back, easy bus ride, and worked out well for the Green Wave. And again, this is a game that I'd like to see played all the time. Great to see these two schools play each other and to give their fans an opportunity to go to the other's town and make a short drive and enjoy a rivalry game between the two combatants. 504-260-1061 is the number to call. That's 504-260-1061. We have one more segment to go. We'll have that for you in just a moment when we return with more of All Access for a Monday night. Ken Trahan with you. Rudy Dixon is our producer. And we're back in just a moment here on Nash Icon 106.1 FM and on the web at NashFM1061.com. Every piece of land has a story. Some right there is behind the wheel of a John Deere 1 Series tractor, like the Upshaws. This is my tractor, Penny. It's all about attention to detail. But the Nelsons love cruising around their expansive Montana ranch in their John Deere Gator UV. We've been here since 1868. While the Caggianos drive a John Deere zero-turn mower to keep their Long Island brewery looking sharp. Don't call me. Don't bother me. I'm going out to mow for a couple hours. Run with us and start telling your story. Learn more at johndeere.com radio. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com free. That's ZipRecruiter.com free. Every piece of land has a story. Some right there is behind the wheel of a John Deere 1 Series tractor, like the Upshaws. This is my tractor, Penny. It's all about attention to detail. But the Nelsons love cruising around their expansive Montana ranch in their John Deere Gator UV. We've been here since 1868. While the Caggianos drive a John Deere zero-turn mower to keep their Long Island brewery looking sharp. Don't call me. Don't bother me. I'm going out to mow for a couple hours. Run with us and start telling your story. Learn more at johndeere.com radio. 
Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com free. That's ZipRecruiter.com free. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call SelectQuote at 1-800-452-5050. That's 1-800-452-5050. Or go to SelectQuote.com. 1-800-452-5050. That's 1-800-452-5050. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call SelectQuote at 1-800-452-5050. That's 1-800-452-5050. Or go to SelectQuote.com. 1-800-452-5050. That's 1-800-452-5050. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Always welcoming intelligent points of view, whether we agree or disagree. Let's have meaningful, constructive dialogue on All Access with Ken Trahan on 106.1 FM Nash Icon at NashFM1061.com and through CrescentCitySports.com. Give us a call, 504-260-1061. As we get set to wrap things up here on this Monday night, Joe Burrow tweaked his calf in the loss to Baltimore yesterday. The Bengals are 0-2 now. And uh, that's not at all what they expected. Burrow said he's not sure how he's going to be the next couple of days, but it's sore and going to have to take it day by day. I mean, those things just don't go away. Calves and hamstrings, they just don't go away. Burrow did little or nothing in the first half, played well in the second half, but they just cannot stop Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, who won the game 27-24. But now the Bengals have to be very concerned being 0-2 and a Week 3 game, Monday Night Football against the Rams, and whether or not Burrow is going to be able to answer the bell. I mean, clearly a concern uh, for the Bengals and clearly a concern for the former LSU star as they look at moving forward and being the kind of team that people expected they were going to be, which has obviously not been the case thus far this year. That's just about going to wrap it up for us tonight. Of course, we want to thank 
our listeners thank our sponsors for being with us to help it make happen and of course we also want to remind you that Jude Young will have all access sports talk coming up tomorrow night at 6 p.m. following inside New Orleans with Eric Asher I will return on Wednesday night at 6 p.m. and look forward to coming to you then of course we'll be breaking down the Saints game going on right now against Carolina tomorrow night and on Wednesday night as well for Rudy Dixon, I'm Ken Trahan saying thank you for joining us and be a good sport. God bless you one and all. We are rounding third and bending home. So long. Thanks for listening to All Access on 1061 FM Nash Icon.